Okay, guys, thank you all for coming this morning. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, the subject matter that we'll be covering today is, um, does, what we do, does what we say as a body, as an individual, does, what, uh, does that matter? And how do we change our perception? So Brenda's going to cover the goals of the class one more time, as we do every week. So remember, we're here today to love first, practicing love, respect, and empathy. We're going to listen to learn and understand, not to reply. So we're going to listen, and then we're going to let that information settle and process it before we are ready to reply. Ask questions, because that's how we all learn. Have grace with one another, and praise God with all what we do. Doesn't mean that being in the last sentence is least important. It's just like we have to do all this because we are praising God with what we're doing today. Okay. And we're going to start with reading some Bible verses. So I'm going to ask three volunteers to read the three different verses that are going to appear on the screen. So who wants to read the first one? Okay. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things. Okay. Thank you. Second one, Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Thank you. And yeah. the last one, Proverbs 13.3. Those that guide their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly become true. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, this subject matter, we're, this week, um, we're kind of switching gears a little bit. Uh, for the previous weeks, we've kind of heard um, people give their stories, my wife and I, about her immigration process. Last week, we heard um, some, we got some good information about Native Americans. Um, and the weeks prior, we got some great information from Mark and LaDonna about their experiences. Um, this subject material is something that I've actually been thinking on for the last 10 years. Actually, about 10 years ago, I wrote a, a published devotional about this subject material, about what the church is saying in public, about how the public perceives us. So it's something that has been on my heart for a while. It's something I'd love to share with you guys today. So we'll go ahead and get started. So how important is perception? How many of you guys have driven or have owned a Toyota? Okay. What do you guys think about Toyota? I'm going to engage you, by the way, this week pretty well. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Good cars, but they really like them. <laughs> Good cars. What else? They last forever. They last forever. Yeah. So, would you say that Toyota has a pretty good perception? Okay. All right. And they do. Um, however, back in two thousand nine. <laughs> however, back in two thousand nine, and many of you remember this, they had a problem with their accelerator sticking, and that accelerator sticking caused cars to actually accelerate without being able to stop. Um, as a result. 37 people lost their lives. Um, it cost the company billions of dollars. And not only that, they were under investigations. And at first, they really weren't so forthcoming about the, uh, about the issue. It was, kinda, it, it was like one of those things where it had to be pried out of them. And as a result, their perception went, uh, went, went down. They went from being the number one car in America to the number three behind Ford and Chevy. They actually, in the aftermath of this, spent billions of dollars trying to clean up their, percep their perception. 
And for the most part, it sounds like it's worked pretty well. Okay. All right. So we know about somebody else that's had a perception issue. Consider our Lord and Savior Christ. Okay. He spent a lot of his time with tax collectors, with adulterers, with um, some pretty rough looking, some pretty rough people. Um, consider even the people that were in his crew. Uh, consider Peter. Um, Peter cussing, cutting off ears. Peter getting angry. Peter. I mean, are these the kind of these are the kind of folks that he hung out with? And I'm thinking that in today's world, they would have been people that had like tattoos, piercings, people that you wouldn't think that looked very holy, right? And because of this, he was seen as very controver- controversial. Okay, he wasn't. He was expected to be the Messiah, the King of Kings, is what they expected him to be. But when you're hanging out with cussing Peter and people cutting off ears, that's not really the perception that you're going you're gonna to get. Okay. Could I get somebody to read um, Matthew 9, 9 through 13? As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So, Christ had this perception, basically, because he was loving people, okay? A little bit different from Toyota, right? They had that perception because they were saying that we're about quality and and safety, but then 37 people died as a result of something that they weren't very forthcoming about, okay? So, yes, he ate with sinners, he, but he practiced what he preached, and that's what caused his perception issue. So the question I have today, what do you guys think the church's perception is today? Not good. Not good. How do you think non-Christians view the church? Judgmental. Judgmental. Hypocritical. Hypocritical. Anything else? Anybody want to elaborate? I really enjoyed reading and seeing the uplifting things that are happening just around the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are some positives. That's good. Okay, well, there was some um, research done by the Pew Research Center, and they gave kind of some alarming statistics about where we're headed as a church. And one of the biggest things is they said Generation X. And the, they, they did some studies on Generation X and the Millennials. Now, Generation X, those are, I would say, people that are in their 40s, 50s. The Millennials are, of course, my generation, late 30s and down. Okay? And what they're saying is that among these generations here in the United States, 7 out of 10 Generation Xers would identify themselves as religious unaffiliated. 8 out of 10 Millennials identify themselves with as religious unaffiliated. So, 
question is, why do you think that is? Correct. Perceptions drive decisions. They do. They do. So about 10 years ago, there was an author, and many of you probably have heard of this person. There was an author named David Kinnaman, and he wrote a book called Unchristian. And this book was the result of a lot of studies, of three-year extensive study with thousands of interviews and dozens of surveys taken. And the information that he found was quite alarming about how the rest, about how the rest of the um, at least country, I would say society at large, views the Christian church. And when I say the Christian church, I'm not just talking about the Church of Christ. I'm talking about mainly the Protestant movement. And even within the studies that he did, there he he even there were a lot of people that even admitted that a lot of these perceptions are not our fault. Um, sometimes we know that the media does go overboard in some of the things that are said out there. But perception, unfortunately, just like with Toyota and like with Christ, is, can be seen as reality for a lot of people. And again, perceptions drive decisions. So one of the things that came out in this study and in this book is that people are saying that Christianity is a hopeless faith. Many millennials, that younger generation, feel like they are being rejected completely by the church. There were also six common perceptions about the church that were unveiled in this study that um, David Kenneman did. And some of those were mentioned. Now, I'll kind of go through them. Now, I will say... Um, I'll start with anti-homosexual. Now, I know that this is a rabbit hole, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but the, but the theme behind it was, is they know that we are against the lifestyle. Like, it's okay to be against the lifestyle. But what is being depicted in this book is that we're against the people, that we're showing hatred against them. Um, like somebody else mentioned, um, some of the feedback that came back was, we're judgmental. Um, hypocritical. One of the biggest things that stuck out, though, and why I'm, why I'm relating this topic to our discussion, is that people are saying that we're irrelevant to, um, that the things that we're, we are saying are irrelevant to many of the lives of people. And they're saying that we're giving simple answers for complex issues. And those complex issues are issues like race relations in America, immigration, um, issues like that. Tony, I have a question about that. Yeah. Um, and maybe you're a really good person to answer this. Um, do you think that is, do you think that is true or, or do you think that is, that perception is more fed by the media and the soundbite type of uh, way? I, I think it's about? a great, I think it's a great question. I think that it's both. I think that the media does of course have an agenda and that they will take blitz blips and little things that people say and blow them way out of proportion. I think that there's a large example of that happening, but I think that as a body of people, we're not helping ourselves by some of the things that are being said. And when I say some of the things that are being said, some of the things that are being said out in social media, some of the hallway discussions that we're hearing, uh, that we're, we're engaging in, um, what the world is saying is that it's not helpful. The things that we're putting out there are not helpful. And I would like to add to that is like, 
because we have lack of knowledge. We're just talking what we heard someone say. And we're just repeating it. And when we repeat it, it's like, like that chain of conversation that we are adding or subtracting information that will make a completely different idea. So we are just like being uneducated and talking and feeling experts when we're talking about something. So I would say like also listening to comments like because we are full of fear, we're just let the, uh, the government take care of this or let this group take care of that. Like we are not really stepping up and say, let me learn about this and we can try to do something to help or teach. Mm -hmm. um, regarding the <coughs> judgmental or the hypocritical, um, the hypocritical first, when I was a teenager or a young adult, I looked at the people that were going to church as being very hypocritical. And that was years ago. And I am now dealing with it with my granddaughter, who's going to be 21. And she stopped going to church. She said, people are just so hypocritical. And I just heard me saying that when I was her age. And she said, they're very judgmental. And I go, why do you say that? She said, because I went back to church and everybody was going, where have you been? We missed you. And she looked at that as being very judgmental. Mm -hmm. So I think the perception is negative on both sides. And or their their thought about it, their Christianity beliefs. And by the way, my granddaughter's dad is a preacher. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she and she just stopped going and praying and talking with her and trying to get it back. Mm -hmm. Any other comments? or? Anything? So, to go back to Tim's original comment, yeah. uh, looking at if it's irrelevant, they say it's, the church is irrelevant to their lives. I think of this book, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. So, 10 years ago, was Eastside having conversations about race relations? Were we having Sally Gary come to talk? about same-sex attraction, I don't think we were. And I think most churches aren't having these conversations. So when this is what people are hearing day in, day out, at work, with their friends, the things people are struggling with, and then they come here on Sunday and that's not a topic, you know, I think that it's part of the irrelevance that people are seeing. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing on the hypocritical, uh, Thing is like I believe that many times Christians we try to present us like oh we are like walking this life and we're not going to fail and when some people see some of us failing they're like you see I told you so we really have to present us as vulnerable people and say we are people coming to church because we want to improve our lives we want Christ to fix us and help us be more like him and we're gonna fail, we're gonna have mistakes, but we are working with him so that we can be better people. I guess that is something like people are saying, like, you are saying you're a Christian and see what you're doing. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like that, like we have to be more transparent and more vulnerable so that people can see that we are people and that we're gonna make mistakes, but we're trying to be more like Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the gist of what is being said. Um, 
with some of these studies that have been done is that Christ had a perception issue because he was loving people. What this is saying is that the church has a perception issue because maybe we're not loving people. So that is something to think about. Now, when I say the church, I'm not, please understand that I'm not just, I'm not harping on East Side. I think that by us having these kinds of discussions, I think that we're moving in the right direction. I really wish that when I was a teenager back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that we had had discussions about these kinds of things, that we were in the forefront of attacking these things because the world is hungry. They are looking for answers. They're looking for hope. And what they're telling us and what the younger generation is telling us is they don't want to go to the church for that. They'd rather go someplace else. All right. And just to kind of reiterate on what I said, in the first chapter of Don McLaughlin, and I know I've said this before in the January panel that we had um, about the example of the relief workers in Africa, uh, the story that he gave, um, and for those of you who haven't heard it, um, Don McLaughlin in the book told a story about how we had, um, from here in the United States, relief workers that were working to um, uh, help the local people in uh, some of the African, sub-Saharan African countries with the Ebola outbreak. Now, the perception that those people had was so bad amongst the locals, they were basically saying, we know that our children are sick, but we would rather take them to our local rich, uh, witch doctors rather than trusting the, the foreigners that are coming here and offering us aid. And as a result, more people died. And I think that that is a complete metaphor of what I just mentioned, that we have issues that are killing people in this country. Um, maybe not physically, but spiritually. And they're saying, we would rather go to someplace else than come to the church. I had a question on the previous slide. Yeah. We didn't mention it, but the last one was uh, too well that you're interested in converting. Yes. And I don't see that. I, I mean, I see as being way too insular in our approach to people and more ignoring than trying to convert them. Well, Interestingly enough, and I can back up to that other slide, um, being too focused on converting, the church in the last 10 years has spent billions of dollars on outreach. Um, I saw a statistic that said 30 million people have reached out to at least one person. However, what the response is on that is that we're interested in filling our churches with numbers instead of actually doing the work of caring about people. Yeah. Go ahead and give your comment on the one before that. Yeah. Oh, the two political? Yes. Um, again, another rabbit hole. But um, the, the, the comments that I read about that were more along the lines of, we're more interested in our political wins and gains, than we, and we have a political agenda, rather than caring about as the church. And when I say we, remember, I'm not pointing a finger at one church in particular, just as a whole. And when, I think we need to say that when we're talking about as a whole, on these surveys, it's Christianity as a whole, yes. not the Church of Christ. No. Because that's who, you know, that's who they survey. Yes. So maybe, maybe in the Church of Christ as a whole, some wisdom apply. Maybe they apply even more so, but you've got to remember that it's the whole of the, the Christian movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
and it's important to know the whole so that when you're out talking to people, this is what you're up against. This is what's embedded into the minds of people. Because they may not know that you're Church of Christ right away from just talking to you. They may think that you're Baptist or Methodist or some other uh, branch. But um, this is what we're up against. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, when when people say the church is, yeah, you know that they're thinking about things like, um, you know, the the Catholic Church that is pushing sexual assault under the the rug, um, the the uh, radical evangelicals that uh, would rather have a political win than. Uh, than to recognize, you know, what is socially just, um, you know, and other things like that. But they're looking at, you know, specific individuals that are high-profile Christians, if you will, like the Haggards, or, yeah, right. Um, and 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 so we need to be able to to say that. Um, that's not right. That's not what I stand for. That's not what my church stands for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be willing to engage uh, in our personal levels to. And that's not what Jesus did. No. Right. No. Correct. Thank you, Tim. Okay. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King said himself um, back in the 60s, and he said, and I quote, Nobody of honesty can overlook this. And what he's actually talking about is the issue of racism in America. Now, I am sure that if the church had taken a stronger role all along, we wouldn't have many of the problems that we have. Now, I'm not saying that society must sit down and wait on a spiritual moribund, uh, on, on a spiritual and moribund church as we've so often seen. I think it should have started in the church, but our society needed to move on. And it's not, again, just with racism. Think about all the other complex issues that we're seeing coming up within our society. And again, society society is looking for an answer. They're looking for help and a hope. And in the Bible, we are commanded to be a salt and a light to others but they're looking elsewhere. Um, One other story I'd like to share is um, the story of uh, the children of Israel um, in the book of Numbers 21, uh, uh, 4 through 7. Would somebody like to read that? They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away. So Moses prayed for the people. One thing that I should have mentioned before going to this slide, actually, was 
um, about some of our perceptions. How much of that do you guys think is based on what we say? Um, meaning, how much of that is based on the conversations that are happening within the church? I think some of it is based on the conversations that are not happening. Mm-hmm. People don't think we care. People think we come here, we do our thing, and we don't care about the bigger, not the bigger, but big issues that are facing us. Mm-hmm. Some of it does come from what we say, but a lot is our science. Anyone else? Oh, go ahead. My impression is that those perceptions come probably from three different areas. One is people who had a personal bad experience with someone in the church, mm-hmm. and then they carried that onto into their life. Um, people that haven't had really any contact in church, but their exposure is by you know these some bravado that's being on on the TV or whatever some you know like that church in Florida that says outrageous things and that's all they know is these, you know so the people that don't really have an experience with the church and then people who don't want to have an experience at church are looking for an excuse mm-hmm. those are the that's where I think a lot of the perceptions might be there's probably others but those a lot of the perceptions are there just because they don't know you know. I don't think the genuine Christian probably gives off a lot of those bad vibes as much as these other perceptions. Yeah. Okay. It's a good comment. Yeah. And I think and even within the study, they have said that it's not all. Yeah. What are some of the examples they cite of what is said that causes perceptions? Um, political comments. And I can dig into that in a, in a little bit. Uh, some of the comments that we make about things that maybe we don't like, people that we don't like. Um, there's a lot that's being said amongst Christians about what we don't like instead of what we do like, instead of what we do love. Okay. So this story begs the question, does what we say matter? Do the things that we say manifest themselves? What do you guys think? See a lot of head nodding. Mm-hmm. And saying something matters. Yes. Our silence matters. Our silence matters, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, we're told out of the overflow of our heart, and what we speak, and so it's if what we're speaking is hateful, mm-hmm. and people are aware that, you know, while we're speaking from our heart, that says a whole lot more about what we have inside of us than maybe what we think. I've had personal experiences where um, in other churches, people that I have looked up to that have mentored me, who have guided me, have helped me to become a mature Christian, have said some things that I never thought in my life I would hear them say. And that was hard for me to go, I didn't ever think that you would feel that way about a group of people or a situation. And then to publicly declare that on social media and then to justify it with scripture. I mean, that that took a lot for me to work through, to be like, wow, I really looked up to this person who I thought 
was a, a godly woman or a godly man who was like David in seeking God's heart and then to do something that seems contradictory to what scripture tells us, what they have told me in the past, I don't know, it, just, it, it really caught me by surprise and it taught me more about who they were than maybe the relationship had in the past. Well, and I, I think our perceptions inside the, the church can be boiled down to a large extent with a lack of communication and conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, because there, there are assumptions on both sides of when somebody says something uh, that they need this mm-hmm. without actually exploring, you know, is there something deeper behind that? Um, similarly, um, you know, and, and I've been guilty of this myself and kind of convicted of this as we've gone through this this study of it, that's not a problem, you know, and it, the people that are bringing this up are just trying to stir the pot and make an issue of something that, that we are past now. Um, when in reality, that's an assumption on my part that may not be true and I haven't taken it upon myself to say, hey, Tony, is that is that actually true? Is my mm-hmm. perception reality? Um, and find out maybe my perception wasn't right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that contributes to perceptions of, uh, of, of things that are, are wrong. Mm-hmm. Very good comments from both of you guys. Thank you. Anybody else want to add anything? I guess this has been said by a lot of people. I've, I've been just reading C.S. Lewis again, and he was talking about how when we go out in the world, we're all little versions of Christ, mm-hmm. and everything we say is interpreted by people as Christ. I mean, we're his representatives, and so a misstatement or a poor statement is reflective of Christ, which is a huge responsibility and, and kind of starting to you know overwhelm mm-hmm. me in some ways when I hear that. And I think... The comment about the social media now, I mean, it seems like people are willing to say things on social media they'd never say in front mm-hmm. of someone else, mm-hmm. and yet, have, and it's now it's not subject to being able to interpret what you meant by it, or you know, follow up saying, "Well, I didn't mean that; I meant this." Sorry, it came out wrong, whatever. And people aren't able to do that, like it's you said. Yeah. And it's, so I mean, even more so, it's so so, you know. Fun. <laughs> The negative effects of you know saying things in that venue are so huge mm-hmm. and, and can represent Christ in such a poor way that we have to be very very careful about that. Mm-hmm. I I'm on social media a lot. I run a support group, so of three thousand people for a medical position. So I'm on social media a lot, and I see a lot. And what I'm afraid of is that. The negative things that we hear people say, people like, you know, Gina Hanley, or somebody that she really thought hard about, they say something and it just devastates you. I'm afraid that it's not just people being having bravado in social media, but that really tells you who they are. I'm afraid that we're seeing the real people on social media and not the, you know, buttoned up. Mm-hmm nice Christians that we've been around all our lives and it really 
it does have a devastating effect mm -hmm. to me. I mean, when I saw a a guy I used to really I respect a long time ago, and I don't know him very well now, but he's posting things about the ragheads. And I go, so is this who you really, really are? And I'm afraid. I'm afraid they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid by not speaking up, we are giving. We're actually helping these people. We're supporting their hatefulness, and you know we have to speak up against these things because Christ was against these things. Hmm. So I don't think getting uh, some people say, "Well, just get off social media or just don't engage." Well, I don't know that that's that's what we're called to do. Yeah, <laughs> and and then that's another great point uh, because the millennials and the Generation Xers. A lot of them are on social media, and that seems like that's the trend. So if a lot of people are spending more and more time on social media, and that's where they're getting their information from, and if people are putting out negativity there, it's not surprising to see the results that we're seeing in some of the research that's being done. And this research was done 10 years ago. These numbers could look even more, um, even more uh, depressing now than they did then. And as long as we're talking about social media, I listened to a podcast this week that was face, Facebook deliberately uh, magnifies the negative. Anything yeah. that's outrageous, whatever, they've shown that, I mean, that gets more response, that gets more click, that gets people more hooked into it. So, and so in the Facebook algorithms, anything negative is magnified on social media, that it's it's not even that, and so when we see all of this overwhelming in social media, it's no longer an accurate representation, but then we start thinking that way. Mm -hmm. And so when you see one negative about Christianity, it's going to be magnified. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, one, one interesting thing about that, uh, about the Facebook, I had um, listened to a podcast where they were talking about how Facebook hired some people to try to scrub some of the really, really bad um comments and, and ads off of Facebook. And what they did was they hired a group of people to actually do that. Your job is to go through Facebook. We're going to pay you like $12, $10 an hour to do this on a regular basis. Most of those people quit within a few months because they were all depressed. That's very telling about what's going on out there. I, I also work for Google. Yeah. Part-time. And that's one of the things that I do is find I have to determine whether things are offensive or could cause, you know, outrage or whatever. And there is a, there's a lot out there. And I think they're trying to work on that in their algorithms to try to bring some of that uh, hysteria or whatever down. There's a lot. And it is depressing. It is. Um, and I will share this. Um, one of the things that as just to kind of piggyback off of what Gina was explaining, um, what she shared is uh, the reason why I wrote that devotional about 10 years, it's been about 10 years ago. And the reason why I'm even sharing this now is that the conversations that I have heard um, in the church since I was 13, um, I've been a part of a few different congregations, um, some congregations more um, heavily African-American, some um, uh, much less um, it seems like the tone has not changed since 
I've been in church since I was 13. Um, back in the 90s, there was a lot of talk about homosexuality. And the talk was, it's them that is messing up America. It's these people over here. It was a lot of finger pointing. And as I look and hear, and as I'm hearing the conversations that are going today in social media, in the hallways, amongst people, it has not changed. And I don't think that as long as our conversation does not change, our perception is not going to change at all either. And what we're seeing amongst the millennials, we are doomed to continue to get worse if we don't change. Now, the good thing about this is um, that I did want to share more positive something, something that's going to be more positive and uplifting on this is that the story of numbers that I uh, that is shared here is not complete because on the other side of that, what happened was Moses was instructed to construct a snake because these people had been snake bitten, they were dying, and it was a result of their complaining and the things that they were saying. The things that they were saying manifested themselves into things that were actually killing them. What happened was Moses constructed a snake made of bronze, and the people that were bitten could look upon the snake made of bronze and they could be healed. So what that says to me is the same things that were killing these people, the same things that can heal them. And I find it interesting, too, that they used a snake and that snake had to be beaten which I think is kind of a prelude to Christ beating the snake. Um, let me continue on. So, and this is part of all call to action. So the same words that we're using, and I'm not accusing anyone, of course, in this room, the same used words that we're using as a, as a group, as a church, if we start focusing on the positives, we can turn this around. And I think a great story about that is the woman who was bleeding, which was mentioned in, um, in services the other week. Now, she was, from, you know, from what we're reading, it sounds like her health was dying, her finances had died, everything around her was dying um, because she was bleeding to death. And she heard about Christ. And she said with her lips, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And sometimes I repeat that, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. With her words and her actions led to her being healed completely. And I think that's the same thing with, uh, with us as a church. As long as we keep fostering good, positive conversations, con conversations about hard topics and loving on people, we can start to bring about healing. One of the other things that, that you brought up that was um, in the study that David Kenneman said is that if we took the time to build relationship with people, it would enable us to address some of these issues better, to ask the questions about that. So instead of judging people or just making blanket statements, it's, let me see if that's true. Let me ask him. Let me go talk to that person. Let me spend time with that person. So our call to action. And bringing back the proverb that we read earlier, that in, the, in our tongue we have the power of life or death. We should always try to manage it, like as a, this advice here, like before complaining or saying something about someone, we should think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? 
is it necessary for me to open my mouth and say this? Is it kind? So with these things in mind, uh, we found a video, and it was made for children, so we thought it was going to be fun to watch. So let's pray that this works here. <laughs> And the sound's not Sound. working. Mm -hmm. The sound's not working, and it's not on the screen either. It's not? No. Sorry, the sound's not working. It's a lot better with music. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy acronym to remember. So, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it um, necessary? Is it kind? So, um, any other comments before we close? We're right at 10.15. You guys have been a great audience. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Anybody want to close in prayer? I'm looking at Alan because he's the... <laughs> he's <an athlete. laughs> All right. Father, we love you and thank you for the blessings that you give us, for the, the gift of your church. And we ask, Father, as, as your children as, and as members of that church, that we would uh, guard our tongues, that we would uh, heed your admonition to be kind and loving in the things that we do and say. Pray, Father, that as we uh, take these things to heart, that you will uh, bring us closer to you and that our, our bond with each other can be strengthened and that our bond with you will grow. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.